0: greater place to be than in his presence. And the beautiful thing, if I can rearrange some furniture, I'm just going to come a little closer if that's okay. The beautiful thing is, as wonderful as this worship time has been, and thank you worship team for your liberty today and for the only place we experience the presence of God. Wherever we are, He is with us. Amen? And that's the beauty. We carry the presence of God wherever we go, those of us that are followers of Christ in the room. And whomever we this, we can re-engage the presence in a very free, liberating, impactful way like we just did, but it isn't about doing that to leave that here. It's about doing that so we are built up to carry him out to where we go, because that's the church. to come and share with you again. I so enjoyed being with you the last time. The last time I was here, I did not have my wife with me. My, our daughter had just given birth to her first child, our third grandchild, just before I came to visit with you, so she was down taking care of her, but my wife, Udella, is with me today, and I'd like for her to stand, if she would, please, just to say hey to everyone, so I'm glad she's with me. Today, and some things have changed here since I was here last, I understand, Um, and you are in a time of transition, and transition um, has a lot of mixed emotions, doesn't it? Uh, Whatever you're transitioning in, wherever you are in life, wherever there's a transition happening, there's mixed emotions. My wife and I, uh, over the past couple of years, have been in transition. We were in pastoral ministry together for 33 years. We pastored Mount Perry North Church of God in Atlanta for 25 years. Left there a year and a half ago to come to Lee University, where we are now. I did not plan to come to Lee. That was not something that was on our radar screen. It was a divine interruption. That's what we call it, a divine interruption. And God will do that, won't he? He'll just interrupt. And sometimes he has to do that. break away or do something that he's calling us to do that he knows maybe so drastic or so radical or something he knows we wouldn't normally do if he just kind of snuck up if he just kind of gradually came up to us sometimes he just has to interrupt and that's what he did with Udella and me Um, and so we understand transition there's a lot of mixed emotions there's sad and part of this church for any length of time, you, you miss Pastor Baker, I, I, I know you do, um, but God has a new assignment for him, and he is where God has him now, but the exciting thing about transition is God has a new assignment for this church as well. I think the word that your associate pastor, Pastor Tim, gave the idea of breakthrough in terms of worship, in terms of of where he wants to take you, is, is a sign of that. It's, it's a step towards that. It's the idea that and even the word that we received uh, as the interpretation to the message of tongues that was given, aren't the gifts of God, the gifts of the Holy Spirit, beautiful things? Aren't those beautiful to to speak a word in season and a moment to his people to bring encouragement? But that word said, he said, I haven't left you. I got something new for you. I, I got something for you. He's not abandoned. And there's an excitement about, about, at least I hope there is an excitement about the assignment, the, the new place God wants to take this church. The, 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 the deeper impact he wants this church to have for his kingdom in this world. Because as the message, the interpretation said, that said that some have left him, there are those that need to know who. Jesus Christ is. And so I want to talk to you today. Um, and normally this would not be a type of message I would necessarily speak to a church where I'm guest speaking. This this type of message, I believe, is a little more reserved for maybe a pastor and his or her flock, that this would be the type of a challenging, encouraging message he or she might Might preach to to them, not a guest speaker to a group of people, but I I feel like this these are the words the Lord wants me to share with you today. I want to talk to you about the big idea, The, the 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 God's big idea for His church. That I believe, whatever. There's a church, whatever that vision is for that church, within that vision, there are some very specific fundamental ideas or principles or truths within every vision that that God may give a particular local church that, that He has for that church, that there are some universal, specific fundamental principles or truths or ideas. That he wants for every church, and I want to share that with you. I want to, I want to share these with you. And this, I guess, these are my big these are my big idea prayers for our Coahoma Maribel Church of God. God's big idea, and let's look at this together. And I guess, in, 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 in more than anything else, maybe this message is about just let's don't forget the mission. Don't forget the mission of what God's church is all about. So let's go to the Lord in prayer, and I want to talk to you about his big idea. Father, I thank you for this church. I thank you for its leadership. I thank you for the people that call this their church home. I thank you for this community of believers. I thank you, Father God, for their commitment to this place, their commitment to you, their desire to have what you want here in this church and for the surrounding area. God, I pray that more of what you want them to be and more of what you want to show them of you will continue to transpire in this place as together we get a hold of what your big idea is every church around this world. God, I ask in Jesus' name, you enable me to share this the way you want it shared. May it be from your heart through my mouth to your people. For your praise and glory now in Jesus' name, amen. I think you would probably all agree with me that we live in a world of big ideas. Big ideas that have either altered the course of human history or at least made life better. Now, some of these big ideas are very familiar, and if I were to quote them and the people that said them, you would know immediately who who I was talking about. In fact, I want to I want to give this a shot. I'm going to quote a big idea, just a phrase of it, and see if you know who said this. I think that will be on the screen if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, who said "I have a dream"? Martin Luther King, exactly. He had the big idea that changed this nation and literally changed the world. What about this big idea? What about this one? Ask not what your country can do for you. Ask what you can do for your country. Who said that? John F. Kennedy, his inaugural address in 1961. Here's another one I think you'll get. Four score and seven years ago, our fathers brought forth on this continent a new nation. Who said that? Abraham Lincoln, exactly right. You guys know your history. Well done. Yeah, the Gettysburg Address. What was he doing? He was keeping alive the big idea of the United States of America. Now this one I think you'll get, but just you need to pay close attention, really focus on the words. Who do you think said this? I only hope that we don't lose sight of one thing that was all started by a mouse. Who said that, you think? Walt Disney, well done. Yes, he's talking about Mickey Mouse. And he, Walt Disney had the big idea of creating all these theme parks where all your dreams come true, right? Well, what about this one? Anybody recognize this big idea? Yeah, that's Chick-fil-A, right? Truett Cathy, he was the founder and the president of Chick-fil-A. He's gone on to be with the Lord. He was a devout follower of Jesus Christ. Listen to his big idea for a restaurant. He said this, we exist to glorify God by being a faithful steward of all that is entrusted to us and to have positive influence on all that come in contact with Chick-fil-A. That is why we invest in scholarships, character building programs for kids, foster homes, and other community services. Come to think of it, it's also not a bad motive for striving to serve a really, really good now that's a big idea, right? Well, what about this big idea? For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. And, and this big idea, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except These are the very words of Jesus Christ. And you know what? In these words, He's given us the big idea of all big ideas. And that is the gospel. The gospel we know that means good news. And it's the good news that in Jesus Christ is found the best possible life anybody can live on this planet now. And the best eternal life awaiting to come. This is God's big idea for all humanity. It's the big idea of all big ideas. But here's the thing, church. Now listen to me, listen close. This big idea of the gospel has been entrusted to his followers, the church. Listen to these words of Jesus Christ about this big idea that He has for the church. Acts 1.8 You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you'll be my what did He say? Say it loud. You'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem, all Judea, Samaria, to the ends of the earth. Being witnesses for Jesus Christ is the big idea for the church. It's why... We exist. It's who makes us who we are. It's the hope of the world. Because at the heart of the Gospel is not some religious dogma or some stale creed. At the heart of the Gospel you find God in the flesh Himself. At the heart of the Gospel, you find the crucified Savior and the resurrected Lord and the soon-coming King of Kings. The Gospel is Jesus Christ. It's all from Him, for Him, to Him, and through Him. And believe it or not, sometimes I wonder what God was thinking, but He entrusts this very message, this very Gospel, to His followers the church, let's just let that weigh on us for a moment. The magnificent calling that that provides us, but the, the magnificent responsibility that it gives to us. The big idea is that we are the witnesses of who this Jesus is. Share with you, what exactly are we talking about when we're talking about bearing witness to the gospel of Jesus Christ? I mean, there's so much to God, right? He's infinite. There, there's so much to Jesus Christ, He's eternal. Where, where do you even begin? What, what what exactly are we bearing witness to? I mean, it might be easy to miss something. What, what are we to bear witness to? And I want to share just three Hearts of this big idea of being the witnesses of Jesus Christ. And the first is this: that we must be passionate witnesses of God's truth. Of God's truth. I want to look at the words that Jesus gave to us in John 3.16 and the words he gave to us in John 14.6 that we just saw a moment ago. And my big idea of prayer for Alcoa Church of God is that you will always be passionate witnesses of God's truth. What did Jesus Christ say? I am the way and what? The what? Truth and the life. He didn't say I am a way or I am some of the truth or I am a truth among a bunch of other truths. He said I am what? The truth. He's the standard of truth for all humanity, for this whole world. And this standard of truth is revealed to you. And there is right doctrine of that truth that we the church must preserve and we must proclaim. Listen to what the Apostle Paul said to his protege Titus in Titus 2, verse 1. He says, Teach what is appropriate to what? Sound doctrine. The truth. And then also Paul writes to Timothy, he says this in 1 Timothy 4:16. He says, To watch your life and what? Doctrine closely, persevere in them. Because if you do, you will save both yourself and your hearers. We are to be passionate witnesses to the truth. Now, that's not easy to do in a culture that creates its own truth. In a culture we live in right now where it says all truth is relative. In fact, you know what they're describing our culture today? Sociologists, they're describing our culture as a post-truth culture. We live in a culture where we call good evil and evil good. We live in a culture where two directly opposing truth claims are accepted as equally true. Now listen to that for a moment. Two directly opposing truth claims accepted as equally true. Now, it's one thing to agree to disagree on what the truth might be. That's one thing, right? But to say, hey, we have to accept all opposing truth claims as equally true, folks, that borders on insanity. Think about it. But that's the view of our culture in which we now live and and do life. And the idea that, that people would actually in a in a in a rational way would accept two opposite two opposite opposing uh, two opposing cl- truth claims as equally true and be okay with that to me that shows how deep and dark the deception of our enemy is in this world drive home this idea i heard the story of a, a man who was headed to work he pulled out of his driveway and was driving down the road came to a stop sign but he didn't com- come to a complete stop he just slowed down and then went on well there's a police officer sitting right at the corner across the street saw this happen pulled the man over came up to the car and said sir you did not come to complete stop at that stop sign the man said yes i did he said no sir you just slowed down he said no i stopped he said, no, sir, you did not come to a complete stop. You just slowed down. He said, no, sir, I stopped. The police officer said, so that you know the difference between coming to a complete stop and slowing down, I'm going to give you a ticket. He Next day, same man, same stop sign, same police officer. He doesn't come to the police stop. He slows down. Police officer pulls him over, says, sir, you did not come to complete stop. You only slowed down. He says, no, I stopped. Gave him another ticket. Third day in a row, same man, same stop sign, same police officer, same situation, same scenario. You didn't come to complete stop. He slowed down. No, sir, I stopped. Gave him another ticket. Fourth day in a row, same man, same police same police officer, same stop sign. Did not come to complete stop. Did Just slowed down police officer pulls him over. Sir, you did not come to a complete stop. You just slowed down. And the man said, no, I stopped. The police officer had enough, reached into the car, grabbed the man by the hair, pulled him halfway out of the car, grabbed his billy club, and just started hitting him. And the man yells, stop, stop, stop. And the police officer says, you want me to stop or you want me to slow down? are not the same. Now, don't hear me wrong. I am not suggesting that we as the church go pulling people by the hair and beat them up to know the truth. I'm not suggesting that at all. In fact, just the opposite. But with all the love we can muster in a world that says we have to tolerate every truth claim as being equally true. We, the church, cannot do that. And I know not everything is black and white in Scripture. I know there's some things that you wish, I wish the the Word would have been more clear on this particular subject. I know that there's some, some things that aren't so black and white, but there are things that are definitely black and white, that we, the church, must maintain the truth. Of what those are. Let me just share quickly. What we must be passionate about in standing for God's truth. We got to be passionate about standing for the truth that Jesus Christ is God in the flesh. And he is the savior of the world. And though he was tempted in every way just as we were. He never ever sinned. Instead, He willfully and willingly was crucified on the cross for our sins and was physically buried, but praise God, three days later, He bodily resurrected from the dead and lives today offering us eternal, abundant life. We must passionately want the world to know that God is for them and not against them. And that they are so loved by Jesus Christ that if any of us will repent, and choose to follow Him, He will heal every disease, He will clean every wound, He will forgive every sin, He will empower our lives with His Spirit, and He will make us a beautiful bride of Christ that is awaiting His return for all eternity. We must passionately stand for the truth that Jesus Christ is coming back, and He's coming back as King of kings and Lord of lords, And He's going to bring His justice and full redemption to this earth and restore it back to God's original paradise under the rule and reign and righteousness and joy and peace that only He can provide. We must passionately want the world to know this truth. Why? Because when we know the truth, what does the truth do? Set us free. Do you believe that this morning? So my big idea of prayer for this church, it will always be a passionate witness for the truth of God. The second big idea is that we must be passionate witnesses of God's hope, of His hope. And what does Jesus Christ say in John 3.16? He says, anyone who believes in me will not, what, perish, but what? have eternal life. Folks, that's hope. In a world where so many have lost hope, the church has the hope in Jesus Christ. In a world that's been so broken by the lies and pain and death, so filled with rage and anger and division, having such a sense of lost hope, Jesus Christ is the hope for all humanity. Christ is the hope for a better everyday living, but also the best eternal life, destiny. Paul, plain and simple in Colossians 1, verse 27, he says it's Christ in you, the hope of glory. Read that out loud with me, please. Christ in you, the hope of glory. See, what we're bearing witness to is a living hope. This isn't wishful thinking. It's not, well, I wish there were some hope. I wish Jesus was the hope. This isn't just having a positive mindset. We're we're talking about a living reality in Jesus Christ. It's a living hope. Why is it a living hope? He's a living God. Peter put it this way. 1 Peter 1, verses 3 through 4. He said that God has given us a new birth into a what? Living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance that will never perish, boil, or fade. This heritage is kept in heaven for you. This is the hope we bear witness to. It's living. It's alive. The testimony the brother shared up here, that's about a living hope. Generation from the time of Christ, every generation that has followed Christ has been tried to be snuffed out by the enemy in some way, shape, or form. The truth and the hope of Jesus Christ has been tried, has been attempted to be wiped out by the enemy in every generation. But the truth and the hope of Jesus Christ still stands, it stands the test of time, it overcomes the greatest of hopelessness. It withstands any threat. In fact, listen to how Paul describes this. Listen to this hope. It's in Romans eight thirty-five verses 37 through 39. Listen to what Paul writes. He says, who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? I mean, he's named with a lot of stuff. Very next verse, no. Say no. In all, how many? All these things were more than conquerors through Him who loved us. Now this is what you've got to be convinced of. For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels, nor demons, neither the present, nor the future, nor any powers, nor their height, nor depth, or anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Folks, that's hope. That's hope. You gotta bear witness to that hope. You know, also Peter writes in 1 Peter 3, I believe it is always be ready to give an answer for the hope that is in you. He says, do it with all gentleness and respect. There's a story of a, of a woman who was a substitute teacher, and she tutored children who got behind elementary school kids maybe even up into middle school but that's about as high as it went that she would tutor and these were students that missed a lot of school because most likely due to some prolonged illness they just got behind and she would actually go to their home or go to the hospital where they might be to tutor them and she got a phone call about a little boy who'd been out of school for a while because he was in the hospital and he needed tutoring on verbs and adverbs so she went to the hospital, and she went to the location to where they said the little boy was. And it wasn't until she actually walked into the room, she realized she was in the hospital burn unit. She was not prepared for what she saw. She saw that little boy badly burned, laying there in his bed with his mother sitting there beside it, And it just so overwhelmed her of what she was seeing didn't know what to say she just stood there staring at him they looked at her and she was awkward they were all just she was stammering trying to say uh, something finally she said i'm i'm the tutor that's come to help with verbs and adverbs and the mother said well, well come on over we're expecting you and so she sat down and got her composure and began to teach the little boy about verbs and adverbs comes back the next morning to tutoring. And as she's walking through the nurse's station to get to the little boy's room, one of the nurses stops her and pulls her aside and said, what did you say to that little boy yesterday? she thought she had said something wrong or done something. And she said, look, I'm so sorry. I I was a little awkward. I didn't know where I was. and And if I said something to offend anybody, she said, no, 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 no. You don't understand. You don't understand. We were really worried about this little boy. But ever since you were here yesterday, his whole attitude has changed. He's fighting back. He's responding to treatment. It's as though he's decided to live. And the boy explained later why the change. And through tears, he said, you know, I began to realize that they wouldn't send a teacher to work on verbs and adverbs with a dying boy, would they? wouldn't send his son to this world if he knew this world was beyond hope, would he? I call the Church of God. We've got a lot more than verbs and adverbs to tell people about. be passionate witnesses of God's love. That's my big idea prayer for this place too. Man, that y'all will be passionate witnesses for the love of God. What did he say it's John 3:16? Anybody that's been in church for any length of time can quote this. For God so what? Love the world. Was it for God so put up with the world? the world that he did what okay look what it says gave his one and only that what whoever now look look at this look at this he gave his one and only now what's a one and only about something in your life that you cherish above everything else. What is the thing or the person that, man, you you cherish above all, that's your one and only. Now, think about giving that one and only to a bunch of whoever's. It doesn't say he gave one of 3,000 million that he had to a bunch of people that really deserved it. He gave the most cherished thing he had to a bunch of whoever's. (laughs) You may not want to hear this, but the church is nothing but a bunch of whoever's. Whoever that person we have in our mind that seems to get on our one last nerve, that way of life that we look at people we know living certain ways of life that we tend to look down our noses and judge them, guess what? They are a whoever. deserving of Him than we have ever been. Let me just say this. People don't want to just be told the truth or told about hope. They want to see it. Authentic lives that really show a hope and a love and a truth. See, listen, when you and I proclaim one thing, yet we live another way, they just think we're a bunch of religious hats. she needed to get to and she was tailgating the guy in front of her and they came to an intersection and the light went from green to yellow and as those moments you know if you when you come to an intersection and that light turns like that you've got to make that decision am I going through or am I stopping anybody know what I'm talking about well the woman wanted the man to go through but he decided to stop and boy it just made her so And she's laying on the horn just honking at him while they're sitting there at the stoplight and Yelling at him and cussing at him and just just giving him what for. And about that time she heard a tap on the window, she turned, and there's a police officer. It's not the same guy from the other story, so don't worry. He he motions her out of the car. She gets out of the car. He handcuffs her and puts her in the in his police car and takes her to the police station and has her fingerprinted and booked and put in the jail cell. After a couple of hours, another police officer came and opened the door and let her out and walked her up to the front to the booking desk where the arresting officer was, and they gave her back her personal effects, and the arresting officer began to explain himself. He said, I'm very sorry for this mistake. He said, you see, I pulled up behind your car while you were blowing your horn at that gentleman and cussing at him a blue streak, and I noticed the preschool carpool number for the church on the corner on your car I saw the Choose Life license plate holder. I saw the What Would Jesus Do bumper sticker on your car. I saw the Follow Me to Sunday School bumper sticker. And I saw the chrome-plated Christian fish emblem on the trunk of your car. So naturally, I assumed you had stolen the car. says this. And this is such a powerful statement to me. He says, I believe there's only one power on this sorry planet that can make a difference. It's the power of the love of Jesus Christ, the love that conquers sin and wipes out shame and heals wounds and reconciles enemies and patches broken dreams and ultimately changes the world one life at a time. And what grips my heart every day is the knowledge that the radical message of this transforming love has been given to the church. I close with this story. It's, it's a little lengthy story, so I want you to really press in. Best to, to pay attention to. It, it, it's, it's told by a man by the name of Lee Strobel. Lee Strobel is one of my favorite authors. Lee Strobel, before he became a follower of Christ, was a devout atheist. He was an investigative journalist for the Chicago Sun-Times. He did not believe God existed. And he believed Christianity was a complete hoax. In fact, he set out to disprove in the process of investigating Christianity, he discovered that all the evidence pointed to the fact that Jesus Christ is really who he claimed to be. And he came to accept Christ as his Lord and Savior. He was called into ministry, called to be a pastor. He's an author. He's written several books about the evidence of the historical reality of, of Christianity and Jesus Christ. You may have heard some of the books, The Case for Christ, The Case for Easter, The Case for Creation, The Case for Faith. In one of those, he tells this story of a young lady by the name of Maggie. Now, Maggie was not a believer. But Maggie had gotten connected to some of the small groups within the church that he pastored. And some of their small groups were designed in such a way for the members of that small group to invite their unsaved, unchurched friends to come to these groups where they could ask questions about Christianity. Maggie became a part of one of those groups. Lee got to know her through that process, and she sent Lee a letter. I want to read that letter to you, so pay close attention. It's a a little lengthy. And then there's a poem we're going to look at that she also wrote. Here's what she wrote. She said, The Christianity that I grew up with was so confusing to me, even as a child. People said one thing, but did another. They appeared very spiritual in public, but were abusive in private. What they said and what they did never fit. There was such a discrepancy that I came to hate Christianity and did not want to be associated with the church. When I came to your church, Lee, and to this small group, I needed gentleness. I needed to be able to ask any question. I needed to have my questions taken seriously. I needed to be treated with respect and validated. Most of all, I needed to see people whose actions matched what they say. I'm not looking for perfect, but I'm looking for real. Integrity is the word that comes to mind. I need to hear real people talk about real life, and I need to know if God is or can be a part of real life. Does he care about the wounds I have? Does he care that I need a place to live? Can I ever be a whole and healthy person? I have asked questions like this in this group, and I've not been laughed at or ignored or invalidated. I've not been pushed or pressured in any way. I don't understand the caring that I have received. I don't understand that the leaders don't seem afraid of my questions. They don't say things like you just have to have more faith or you need to pray more. They don't seem to be afraid to tell me who they are. closed her letter with this poem, a poem she writes to the entire church community, the entire Christian community. It's called Do You Know? And I think it will be on the screen. She says, do you know, do you understand that you represent Jesus to me? Do you know, do you understand that when you treat me with gentleness, it raises the question in my mind that maybe he is gentle too? Maybe he isn't someone who laughs. Do you know, do you understand that when you listen to my questions and you don't laugh, I think maybe Jesus is interested in me too? Do you know, do you understand that when I hear you talk about arguments and conflict and scars from your past, I think maybe I'm just a regular person instead of a bad, no-good little girl who deserves abuse? If you care, I think maybe he cares. And then there is this flame of hope. That burns inside of me and for a while I'm afraid to breathe because it might go out. Do you know, do you understand that your words are his words, that your face is his face to someone like me? Please be who you say you are. Please, God, don't let this be another trick. Please let this be real. Please. Do you know? She put her phone number in that letter. And Lee was so moved by the letter and so moved by this poem, she he, he called Maggie to get her permission to share her letter and her poem in church. And she said, absolutely, Lee, you can do that. And then she said, oh, Lee, by the way, have you heard what happened? And Lee thought, oh, my goodness, somebody's offended her. Somebody has said the wrong thing, and everything that has been done has just been ruined. And he said, no, what happened? The dejection in his voice. He said, "No, no, Lee, it's 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 not what you think." He said, "She said just a few nights ago, I gave my life to Jesus Christ." He said, "Maggie, that's wonderful. That's terrific. That's the best news I've heard in a long, long time." And then he said, "Well, tell me what piece of evidence convinced you that the Bible was true, or what fact did you finally unravel to make you realize the resurrection of Christ was real?" And she said, "Oh, May, uh, Lee, that, that that that's not the way it happened for me." said Lee I I just met a whole bunch of people who were like Jesus to me That's all it took I I just met a whole bunch of people big idea i suggesting that they aren't. So don't hear me wrong. Please. Don't hear me wrong. I'm not suggesting that. Within all of that, there's been something deep down that keeps calling you, keeps pulling you, and you keep hoping that it's real. Oh, let me tell you something. First of all, forgive any Christian or any church that's ever hurt you. Please, on their behalf, I ask you to forgive them. And look past them and look to Him. Look to Him. That He's the one that's pulling you. He's the one that keeps bringing you back. He's the one. way huh to close out this amazing worship service that we had I don't I don't know if my sermon ranks up to the worship we experienced but but I think I think God is trying to say something to us is he not? And what a wonderful way. That's what communion is ultimately saying. This blood, this wafer, this this juice, this wafer representing the blood, representing the body. It, it's, it's to show us that he did what he said he was going to do. He is who he claims he is. His promises are true and real. He's not left us or abandoned us. Man, he's got new stuff for us. us a Maggie Magnet. Make this place a Maggie Magnet. So I want to pray and then I'm going to transition to you, Pastor, and let you take it the rest of the way. Heavenly Father, you're so wonderful. You're so that's that's even so trite to say that you're wonderful. We can't even put into words gracious adjectives we could come up with in any language on this planet would not come close Every follower of Christ in this room will take a good look at ourselves to say, okay, where am I? of these people called Christians, the imperfection of what's called the church, there is the real and perfect Jesus Christ. Who am I?